You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is the Classic Auto Mall Podcast. Broadcast from the studios inside the Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Yes, the Classic Auto Mall is a real mall. Just one hour west of Philadelphia at Pennsylvania Turnpike Exit 298. Featuring nearly 1,000 classic, vintage, and barn find vehicles for sale under one climate-controlled roof. Now, here's your host, Classic Auto Mall President and the man with all the toys, Stuart Howden. Good thing we're not in a fake mall. (laughs) It's a real mall. Good thing it's a real mall, though. We we want to make sure and be clear that people might think we're it's a facade (laughs) when they're driving down the turnpike and they see this classic auto mall. People do think that. Well, you had an idea of, uh, of a concept of a, some kind of building that had like a, a Rolls Royce grill in the yes, front. I yeah. think we should do that. Here. Motoropolis, think, that was called. I think that would be cool yeah. driving down the freeway or the freeway. What do they call it here? Uh, the interstate. Turnpike. Yeah. Actually, they call it the interstate in the east and and south, but it's turnpike. The turnpike, here. yeah. On this particular road, because this is actually a pay toll road, and I think turnpike has something to do with paying. Yeah, yeah, it does. And so, uh, somehow that means that, but but. It, you can see classic automobile, but people don't know what it is because right. it kind of is, well, there's car, giant car photographs on it. But right. besides that, I love your idea about a, a giant grill in the front. We had a giant grill. We had a project in Branson back in 2000, 2001 called Motoropolis, and it was going to be a full-time, uh, 365-day-a-year auto show, like you go to the Philly mm-hmm. Auto Show mm-hmm. or the New York Auto Show, but it would be a permanent display. All the manufacturers would have X amount of space. Uh, you'd have a classic car element, uh, car, classic cars for sale. You'd have a museum. You'd have a gift shop. You'd have a diner. And then there was a test track in the back. Wow. But the front of the building was a Duesenberg grill okay. with two headlights and a big uh, hood ornament. And it was a spectacular entrance. It really was. And and it's so disappointing that that project never got off the ground. I mean, we got really far with it. Mm-hmm. Um but unfortunately, we had a little incident in our country at that yes. time, yes. and uh, I hate to blame that incident on on you know something that uh, happened business wise. But literally, mm-hmm. people stopped taking our phone calls sure. after nine sure. eleven. Um, the manufacturers were all in, mm-hmm. and this was going to be our swan song. This was going to be I wouldn't be here today if that had happened. Nope. So I. Don't know if that's a good thing. Some things are meant to be. Or a bad unfortunately, thing. Unfortunately. So, but, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun working on that project. And I think that would be a, an amazing facade to do the front. And it would probably be cheaper to do today because you could have guys make it out of some, they could have a 3D printer or print of it. And somehow you could make our whole entrance just, you could walk through a grill. That would be kind of cool. Actually. It would be very cool. Yep. So I'll, I'll keep I'll that in right, mind. I'll get right on, on that and we'll have and the, nobody uh, steal that idea. <laughs> yeah. If you've got another mall and you're selling car, classic cars out of it, please do not use that idea. Right. Or we'll come after you. Caropolis. Carop, Motoropolis. Oh, Motoropolis. <laughs> that sounds like Caropolis. So, Greek, it's a Greek car show. <laughs> yes, it's, oh, I gotta, never mind. Um, <laughs> what do you think our inventory is today? I, well, somewhere, somewhere in the 1100 range. No. 10, 1000 to 1100, somewhere yeah. in between there. 1057. Oh, there you go, right? Dead yeah, center. Dead center of it. Well, not dead center for between <laughs> 11 and 10, but, but 1057. We're at probably a more manageable amount of cars in here. We were getting a little bit full. Really? Just a little. <laughs> Just a few little. Amazing what 50 less cars can do. It, it really is. It's, it's surprising that it makes any difference at all. Right. Uh, but, right. but it does. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we're, Glad to have a little bit of breathing room. And it's, you know, it's harder to get around and see the cars. And, and granted, we we know that 95% of our cars that we sell are sold online. And therefore, really doesn't matter what happens in the building. But we have a lot of people who come here who like to see the cars and look at the cars. And sometimes it can be more difficult if we have more cars in inventory mm-hmm. uh, to get around in here. So we apologize for that uh, if you come out here. But... Uh, don't forget the admission charge is zero. <laughs> yeah, so, so don't complain. <laughs> don't complain. We don't really get any. We don't get many complaints. Even there, when there's areas where you cannot walk through right. two cars, uh, people still enjoy the experience because there's just so much. Still to plenty see. to see. Oh, yeah. You know, the thing about a thousand fifty-seven cars is there's more than you can see in one sitting, and probably in two sittings if you're really looking. It's also easy to kind of get tunnel vision in mm-hmm. here and like not see everything. But I, it's funny. It's true. We'll see people come in. 
half hour before we close, and we'll tell them, hey, look, we're closing in half an hour. And they're like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll rush through. Uh-huh. 25 minutes later, they're still in the first showroom. <laughs> they can't get out of there. It really is tunnel vision. And the other thing is people get disoriented here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very simple design. Mm-hmm. But when and you're, very similar. Similar. <laughs> and when your face isn't buried in a car where you're reading every great description that's right. written on them. Oh, those descriptions are fantastic. <laughs> you get... You wait, you pick your head up and you're like, what part of the mall am I in? Yeah. And where's the exit? Where's the bathroom? Yeah. And, and there are big signs at the end of the mallways that say north right. and east and still. south and west, but it's still confusing to people because just, be, just because it's obvious to us doesn't mean it's obvious it to everybody looks the same else. It looks them. the same. Kathy, literally when we first started here, my wife, who is our office manager, mm-hmm. literally put a plant at the mall, at the hallway where our, our offices <laughs> are because she couldn't remember. She's directionally challenged. Right, so right. she could not remember where our offices yep. were. She'd call me on her cell phone. Can you please tell me? I'm at the Holiday Inn. Can you tell me which way to go? Tell me which way. Where are we? So uh, anyway, uh, a more manageable amount of cars uh, to have in here right now certainly helps. And um, and but you know, bring them, bring them, bring them. Whenever yeah. you're ready, just bring your car because uh, they're selling. They are selling like crazy. You know, mm-hmm. that's a good segue into our next. That's segment, right. You that's, know, that's what it was. Where are they selling to? Steve? Where are they selling Where to? Where are they selling to? How about Mifflintown, Pennsylvania, Coon Rapids, Iowa, oh. Torvilliers, France, Langhorne, Pennsylvania, Hazlitt, New Jersey, Glenmore, Pennsylvania, Coatesville, Pennsylvania, Pottsville, Pennsylvania, Cressona, I'm sure I've got that wrong, mm. Pennsylvania, Mercerville, New Jersey, Topton, Pennsylvania, Silmar, California, Newmanstown, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Lisbon, Portugal. Wow. Stafford, Virginia, Henderson, Nevada, Staunton, Virginia, Warrington, Pennsylvania, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Ormond Beach, Florida, Chico, California, and France. Another French. Uh, another Frenchie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nope, two California, six, six states and two, yeah. two, two countries. Uh, wife went to college in Chico, really? California. It was the number one party school rated by Playboy magazine for several years in a row. Did so. she know that ahead of time or? Uh, no. <laughs> She, she left and got a real education. Because you're a real partier, so I'm sure if you didn't meet you there. No, no, no I was not at Chico. And uh, I heard Warrington, Pennsylvania in there, which is my, my yeah my sort of hometown. Old, old stopping grounds, yeah, as we like to say. Yeah, that's Holbert country. Yeah, that's right. That is where Al yep. Holbert and his shop was in Warrington. And it or? was. His house and his shop and yeah. his dealership and everything else. What yep. deal, What was his dealership? That's right. I it was Hol- Holbert Porsche. Porsche Hol- Audi. Porsche right? Audi Volkswagen. Right. One of the first. I think he was the second Volkswagen dealer. In the country, right. in the fifties, and then it became Porsche, Audi, and uh, still there, but it's uh, owned by uh, it's not Thompson, Sloan, Sloan maybe Sloan or Ooh, I'm gonna anyway. Send a letter, yeah. Podcast at classicautomod.com and tell us that, that Steve right. is wrong. It's right. Porsche Warrington up there on six eleven. Great, great, great part of the country. <laughs> His old stomping ground. So um, you could tell us yeah. some stories about those days. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll save that for a later day because <laughs> we have nothing to talk about today. So we have no guests. Oh. It's just me and you. My father had an auto parts store in Warrington in the mid-70s. It's Did called- he sell to them? Well, he knew that he grew, right. up, he grew up with the Holbert, so it was, it was right up the street, and right. they had something to do with him getting the store. But there were, nobody lived in Warrington in 1970s right. before the real estate boom right. in Central Bucks County. There were still country clubs and farms and fields, and I mean, there was. And so, for a number of other reasons, including the fact that it was a very low population in, in Warrington, it was still country. Uh, his store didn't, didn't last more than three right. years, and then we moved out west. But um, yeah, so at Warrington, and he grew up in Warrington. And, so uh, for those of us, for those who are listening who don't know who Al Holbert is, world sports car, one of the, one of the greatest Porsches, legendary and, sports car mm-hmm. racing, and in, in IMSA and others. Was he a driver? Was he a dealer first and then a driver, or was he always a driver? Or how did that? Well, his father is legendary Bob Holbert, right. Robert, Robert Holbert, who was a, one of the great sports car uh, drivers of the fifties right. and uh, and early sixties, and so there was already a legend kind of built in. But they had they were selling. They had a shop. Uh, it was called Holbert's Garage, and then he would he would start selling MGs mm. and Porsches and Volkswagens in the very early days. So it was a combination of right. of race shop and dealership. Yeah, and when I where I grew up, you didn't see a lot of Volkswagens and Porsches and Audis back in the early seventies. Sure, sure. I mean, there was one dealer I think that had Porsches, and but I don't even remember even seeing a 911 mm. until I was well into my teens. Right. You know, it wasn't like it was something you would see around the neighborhood or it was whatever. Like exotic. So, yeah, very exotic. Then, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and of course I always thought my dad was, I, I never forget. He was looking to buy a car when he bought his 67 Jaguar. We talked about, uh, but he went and looked at 914 Porsches and, and I'm 
he just didn't like it. He just it just wasn't for mm-hmm. him, and ended up getting an E Type, uh, which turned out he really loved. Except nice. I hated it because it was the one driving to school where it was cold and wet. And, yeah, yeah. You know, there wasn't much um, protection from the elements. Mm-hmm. Was it convert? Uh, convert? Yeah, spider. Yeah, no, not spider. What Roadster. Roadster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wrong nationality. <laughs> So, um, anyway, thanks again to the Pat Travers Band for our um, uh, podcast music that they so graciously allow us to uh, uh, to use. And speaking of music, did you see the Grammys the other night? I don't. Uh, I don't partake in the Grammys. <laughs> well, I fast Sorry, forward. I, I boycott it. the Grammys, frankly. I, I fast forward through it. But <laughs> Tracy Chapman did Fast Cars with that. Luke. Br- well, wait a minute. No, I mean, that's everywhere now. That's the that's the one redeeming uh, moment in the Grammys, Two. apparently. Were there two? Joni Mitchell. Okay. That was pretty redeeming. Uh, okay. That was that was the two that I fast for. And Billy Joel has a new song out. And, I saw it. And that. it was... A new old song, right? No, no, no. It's a, a new, new, new song. song. Yeah. Because okay. I think yeah. they released something that he recorded in the 70s yeah. as well. No, th- he, hadn't, he hadn't had a new release in 30 years. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, it was interesting. You know, I don't know. It's like Neil Young and Elton John mm-hmm. and Billy Joel and the Stones and Paul McCartney. It's really hard to release anything new. That's, you know, that makes you relevant. That, that makes you relevant. Yeah. How are you going to redo Levon? You know, yeah, yeah. or, or 52nd Street or, right. you know, Heart of Gold or any of those songs like that. Yeah. So. It, it's tough. And, uh, I mean, Bruce still releases stuff, but, yeah, but it's more about the concerts than yeah. the, the new music. You know. Could you, I mean, could you tell me a new, re- <laughs> a new song of his? No. No. You, right. You couldn't. That's the problem. You couldn't. Exactly. And of course it was, uh, Tracy Chapman, uh, Fast Cars, which is a cool song and hasn't, she hasn't performed it in many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. And Luke Bryan, a country star, uh, and re, I think he recorded it, but he's, he performs it and it's one of his favorite songs mm-hmm. and he sang a duet with her and he was fantastic. And I'm he thinking, looked a little nervous to me. He was like, he was. I think he was a little intimidated. Yeah, 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 I think he was a little, you know, his reverence to her oh, okay. was, you know, a, a, a big deal because he, she, you know, is an idol. Probably, it's a, she, good, it's a good song. <laughs> she had other. I don't know if she had others or not. Not that I know. Of. <laughs> it's like the the knack, my Sharona. Yeah, yeah right. One hit wonder. <laughs> so tell me the other song that the knack did. Uh, I don't know, but you could also say that about popular bands, even Leonard Skinner. It's like there's Freebird, and then all the other songs right, that right, aren't right. Freebird. You know, that's the thing. It's exactly. like everything is Freebird and every song that isn't Freebird. Right. <laughs> so, but anyway, I watched a little bit of the Grammys. Um, and of course they missed by a day, uh, the passing of Toby Keith, yeah. which is, right. uh, what a, what a great singer he was. Mm. I mean, you know, people have misconceptions about, here I go on way on our music. I'm going to have to do a segment one is music, his music segment. <laughs> but Toby Keith was a great singer. I mean, he really had that country sounding voice. Yeah. And, uh, he, he had a car collection as too. He was a car collector. He bought, uh, Harold Shedd, who, uh, produced all of Alabama's number one hits, mm-hmm. who has probably nice mailbox money. That means every quarter you open your mailbox and there's just a check there for sure. producing, you know, songs from a hundred years ago. It doesn't matter. And uh, Harold had a beautiful 30 Lincoln Model L mm-hmm. uh, Roadster. He sold it to Toby. Uh, and uh, But Toby had probably, arguably, the greatest country song ever written, I'll Never Smoke Weed with Willie Again. <laughs> right. And talking right. about going on his bus and smoking weed with him yeah, and yeah. how you don't want to do that. And uh, so anyway, rest in peace, uh, Toby yeah. Keith. He was good friends with my father-in-law. And uh, also with um, uh, another dear friend of mine who's passed, and uh, just a great down-to-earth guy who got stomach cancer. Yeah. When we return, uh, we'll talk about some of our new inventory here at the Classic Automall Podcast. We'll see you in a couple minutes. It's a museum. It's a showroom. It's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Listen to the Classic Auto Mall podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Pandora, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Casts, Listen Notes, Podcast Index, Player FM, and, of course, ClassicAutoMall.com. Talking about music. Yeah, we're talking about music and, and, cars. and cars, car collections. There's a lot of musicians have a lot of great car collections. I know he was good friends with with Sammy Hagar, and Sammy Hagar is obviously one of the one of the prime yeah. car collectors. Oh yeah, he's the guy. I mean, uh, he has a La Ferrari, so that he, trumps anything. Yeah, else. and that was the one. Was that the one where he went to Italy and they had to mold the seat around yeah. him? And he was going to sell it at Barrett Jackson. Oh, year. that's right. right. And the battery pack went bad, and apparently it's got to be shipped to Modena. Oh my, gosh. to fix that. Really? So, so yeah. what, was it there in Scottsdale, and it just fell through or I, I, right before that? I think it was right before that. And I think, um, actually, uh, he's going to offer it. They're going to do another Scottsdale auction in the fall, uh, in, at, at Bear Jackson. And, uh, and so it's going to be at that sale, which will not be a six day or seven day event like it is now. It'll be a three day auction, which is what most auctions are. Six, yeah. you know, five, six hundred cars. Uh, I imagine Sammy Hagar goes to his mailbox every day and gets a check. Gets a check. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. He was with Montrose, Van oh, yeah. Halen, his own career, Horrible. Cabo Wabo. Yeah. The tequila, I mean, Everything. the tequila is like. He's doing it right, too, he's, and he's uh, living right. Living right. Good and guy. Still in his, you know, he's in his seventies. Toby Keith was talking about, and in one of his last interviews, he really wanted to do a podcast and he, because he said, you know, uh, my list of guests would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, he could call Sammy and Sammy would say, let's do it now. Absolutely, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you don't have to schedule anything months ahead of time like yep. us. You know, we, we're, that, that's the toughest part about this, this gig, uh, is, <laughs> is, is coordinating a time for people to be on sure. the podcast because just because it works for us doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody else or vice that's right. versa. That's so right. It's tough. It, it, it's a little bit tough. So, uh, speaking of Modena, as mm-hmm. we were just talking about, I saw the movie. The Ferrari. Ferrari movie. Ferrari. Just called Ferrari. Just Ferrari. No, uh-huh. no. Oh, no. how was that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too enthusiastic. It was, uh, so we rented it at, oh no, actually we bought it. You watched it, it at home? At home. Okay. Because I have a curve. TV. You have a big giant TV. Not that giant. <laughs> it's only like 95. It's the biggest one in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Probably. It's bigger than the, than the room that it's in. Uh, it's a curved and it's got great sound because right. we have the Sonos speakers. Okay. With the surround sound mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, surround sound probably sounds antiquated. Right. You know. <laughs> That's probably another name. For yeah. It. There's certainly another name by now. <laughs> I know what you mean. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and most of our listeners do. I right. Um, so we, we bought it because it was $4 more to buy it than to rent it. So I guess it's just on my Amazon account forever. Okay. You know, so when you get the urge to watch it again, it's right yeah. there. So um interesting thing about the movie, it was, you know, released on Christmas Day of last year, twenty twenty three. It's now uh, today is January the seventh or February the seventh, twenty twenty four, and this airs the first time on February the tenth, twenty twenty four. Uh anyway, it came out twenty twenty three Christmas Day. Uh the budget was ninety five million. The box office so far, thirty seven million. Ouch. Yeah, that's uh, Ooh. starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz, which I didn't even know who Adam Driver was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even recognize him in the movie. And then I saw a picture of him with long black hair, and I was like, okay, that I kind of know that, that guy. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And what's his name? Is a driver. Uh, 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 McDreamy. Yeah. <laughs> what's his real name? <laughs> uh, Patrick. Patrick. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, thanks. I didn't. It's the one thing I didn't put in all Dempsey. my. Dempsey, thank you. Yeah. With all my notes here, my, my <laughs> thorough notes that have everything about it, that's the one thing I didn't put down. Right. But Patrick Dempsey is a race car driver himself. That's right. Uh, he races Porsches, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so he was a natural fit for, for the movie. Um, interesting parts about it. Number one, the accents. And I'm I'm good with foreigners speaking English. Mm-hmm. Like I'm... Kathy is my wife is has a very difficult time uh, here understanding some accents. It's very difficult for her to pick up on what what they're right. saying, and I have I don't have that trouble. I'm very good with that, but it was difficult. There were times where their accents, especially Penelope Cruz's, you have to really like back it up. What did she say? Well, she her normal accent is pretty pretty thick. thick. Yeah, was she doing an Italian accent on top of that? A little, not really. <laughs> more just her accent. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, yeah, she's, but it, but it was a little bit difficult to hear. And of course, had you been in the theater, 
I don't have my remote where I right, can back right. it up. So they have closed captioning though. You could probably put closed captioning on. Oh my God. What so next? Have, Do I get a hearing aid? Yeah, no, that's my <laughs> wife has. We, we have closed captioning on everything so she can right. read it. But, uh, Penelope Cruz back in the day didn't really matter what her <laughs> accent, what her accent, what she said or didn't say or what, how, you know, I didn't really care. None of that really mattered really, a whole lot. Didn't really matter. The thing about closed captioning on a movie though is that I find myself Never seeing the movie. I'm right. watching the closed captioning. And Plus then it's, it's like, on delay or it's like yeah, a second yeah, behind so or something. Just enough to, yeah, right. do, you know, when you're done. Right. By, they're past the scene and they're, yeah, still, and they're still, still reading from the yeah. last scene. Yeah, I, I get that. So uh, anyway, they um, uh, some of the critique of the movie was downshifting on the back straight uh, or at the Mille Miglia in 1957 when you're going down a 10-mile straight. And they can downshift to pass somebody. Well, you're not downshifting if you're at top speed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going 200 or 180 miles an hour. You might break something. Yeah, you downshift. <laughs> you go down a gear without, you know, you, it doesn't happen that way. Huh. And the crash scenes were over-exaggerated. Okay. I mean, they, they hit a curb at the test track in Modena when they were trying to get the lap record. And this thing shot into the air like 80 <laughs> feet. It was like, whoa, that seems a little bit. Like a Transformer movie. Yeah, it seemed a little... Unrealistic in, in, in that. So, okay. um, it was directed by, uh, Michael Mann, who, uh, was, uh, Miami Vice. Okay. And, uh, and I guess he's getting older up there, mm-hmm. but, um, the, uh, the sounds of the vehicles were pretty good. Um, some of the cars sounded almost NASCAR like. Oh, really? Yeah. It was, it was, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on it, but Ford versus Ferrari was such a great movie. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe not everybody thinks that, and I don't care. Right. But, but, but this was um, you had to really want to like it. Mm-hmm. I think the reaction from my stepson and wife were like, "No, nah, that was pretty good." You know, right. they, well, they weren't they weren't thrilled by it. And Ford versus Ferrari, we all loved. Um, so, and this the the movie Ferrari movie focuses on the year 1957 mm-hmm. when Ferrari. Race at the Mille Mille, and there's a pretty graphic crash scene that they have where uh, nine, uh, nine spectators died, right. and that was true. That that it wasn't is, just that, made up for the happen, movie. Yeah. yeah, it did happen. I mean, the Mille Mille was a thousand mile race, and it was through countrysides mm-hmm. and, and streets, and they refueled with crude big funnels and mm-hmm. just a can, and it was. Um, and people were out there. People were just out there it. watching yeah. it, and and could be right up against the road and go right past the front yard of their house. Right at 180 miles an mm-hmm. hour in a Testarossa. And sheep Ferrari. were crossing the street. And sheep, all kinds those of- those pesky sheep <laughs> on the countryside. <laughs> oh, those countryside sheep. Uh, but anyway, it was. It, there were some parts that were very enjoyable, and some parts you think ah, that could have been done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's very very difficult to make a car movie. Uh, uh, and, and especially when you just focus on, you know, one particular, like really one year, 1957. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you sum up Enzo Ferrari in, in one year? Right. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, listen, at the end of the day, um, I guess the box office tells you everything you need to know. Of course, different time for movies right now. That's true. You know, movies are not They're the already, same. They're already able to rent it at home. So. I know. I'm renting it at Does home. Does that count in box office? I don't even know how they, I don't I'm know. so, anti-Hollywood right now. I care less. <laughs> but I would like to suggest a movie as I was writing up the uh, one of the, and you're going to talk about a, a GT, mm-hmm. uh, well, the Shelby GTH, right. but we have a, a GT350 tribute. Yeah. And I was reading the story of, well, I, I went back and listened to our interview with Chuck Cantwell because mm-hmm. I thought it'd be cool to pull like a, a quote from that and mm-hmm. use it in the description. And I make reference to it in the description. That right. We had him here. He's right. Sitting, sitting right, right here. here. I mean, the father of the GT350. And I really didn't, I mean, I was so busy with technical stuff right. here that I didn't realize who was here. Right. And it'd be great to do a movie because they created the GT50 to beat, um, uh, uh, Corvette. Not, not Corvettes. Yeah, yeah Corvettes. Thanks. Thanks. So it should be Ford versus Corvette. Right. right. Do a whole other movie. And Chuck Cantwell is the center character. I like that. And, um, uh, Chuck is a great guy and he's so down to earth that you almost, like you said, you almost kind of forget that he is, it's like Pete Brock, the guy who designed the Cobra Daytona. Right. Um, uh, we've met him quite a few times and it, you forget who you're talking to. Yeah. You know, it's just another car guy. Right. Um, Dick Vermeil, the coach of the Eagles, is like that. I mean, you you meet him, you see him out and about. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he you talk to him, like, but you forget. You know, he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not nothing. It's it was pretty impressive. So yeah. I think there's a whole other movie there to be made. Ford versus Corvette, because there sure. was a, there was a real battle against the two, between the two of them, and Chuck Cantwell was on the front line of that development. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we had. Uh, 
one of the guys, Brent Fenimore, on the show, who has uh, worked on the very heavily on the Series One Shelby, which was the only purpose-built car that Shelby ever right, made. Right. Everything else, they took another car and mm-hmm. modified it, which was fine. I mean, that was a great formula for them. We I mean, sold ours, right? I mean, uh-huh. the one that we had here, the Series One. Yeah, the Series One sold. Uh, that one was. Ooh, sorry. About that. We'll fix that in the mix. Uh, the Series One that we had here was. Really interestingly documented. There are lots of pictures from the factory when the guy picked it up mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of really cool stuff that a lot of series one owners don't have or didn't right, have or right. didn't think to keep. Mm-hmm. You know, people are in moments that they should have. Seen. If you think if you had a camera like we have cameras now on some of the things, I think of the I times know. that I've certain things that have happened that, oh, if I'd only had a camera. Right. You know, but who's carrying around a big bulky SLR at the time? Right. Nobody. It's like the time when Steve Perry. Of journey, right? Was looking at my Grand National at a car show in Westlake Village, California, and I had no. I can't prove it. I cannot prove it because, and you can't prove whether he liked it or not. You know, he might have said, "Oh, amateur." I mean, I yeah. missed opportunity there because we didn't have cameras back in the day. Didn't have cameras. I sat at, at the Rainbow Bar and Grill in in Hollywood, California, and had cocktails with David Lee Roth one night <laughs> yeah, on a sure Friday night early. Yeah, show yeah, exactly. Me, picture show, or it didn't happen. Show me the. Did I ever tell that story? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah, I've told that story <laughs> about twenty times. But that's right. <laughs> People love that story. Where they, where they, I was making Mr. Roth uncomfortable. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about the, uh, little more somber, um, the nine spectators that died in the, mm. in the Mille Mille in 1957. In 55 at Le Mans, uh, Mercedes, the 300 SLR, uh, had a car pull out in front of it mm. and went over the back of it and killed 80, they say 81 to 89, wow. 83 is usually the amount of spectators that were killed, wow. uh, including, and the driver, Pierre LeVay, mm-hmm. uh, and 120 were injured. But wow. there was 300,000 people at the 1955 mm-hmm. Le Mans race. Wow. And that 300 SLR Mercedes, what an amazing machine mm-hmm. that was. And Mercedes withdrew, did you know this? They withdrew from motor racing until 1989 for 34 years. But I just found out today, um, not 100% sure, and if you know, podcast at classicautomall.com, that they were already had decided to end their racing before the crash. Uh-huh. So it wasn't the crash and they said, Oh, we crashed. Oh gosh, we're going to, we're going to stop racing. It was pre, pre decided prior to the race that this was probably going to be their last race. Uh, I don't think they either didn't see the value in it or felt like it mm-hmm. was getting too dangerous because you got to remember track and they closed once that happened, they closed all the European tracks for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And in the Mille Emilia never happened again after 1957. Oh wow. And it's, Pure sense of the countryside and all that. There's a purpose built, you know, whatever. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, 83 people killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure safety measures came out of that experience and, sure. and saved lives later on. But, um, well, just like when Ayrton Senna died <clears throat> in the Formula One yeah. or you've had, when you've had wheels or tires go off of NASCAR cars or, yeah. or Indy cars up into the crowd and kill people. Right. I mean, yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, you know, things are moving. They are moving, and it's not. People tend to get false sense of security. Yeah, because we're at a track and there's a fence. Yeah, it's a you know it's a chain link fence. Right, right. You know, my minivan could get through that. <laughs> we were at uh, we had our club met at it's a drag strip in Michigan, a small drag. Anyway, you're right there right. on the wall, and I'm like, I don't feel particularly comfortable right this close to and they were just street cars and you, you know if you went to riverside or uh, uh ocir orange county international raceway which is a drag strip out in california uh there would be a huge grassy area between you and the and the uh and pomona was the same way yeah, there's a big right. space between oh, sure. bristol literally the same thing fence right track mm. i mean you're standing within 15 yeah. feet of these things and they're you know they are they are they could throw a you know a blower <laughs> And they did. Oh, you could feel it. You yeah. could absolutely feel it. So um, anyway, when we return, uh, we'll get to some of our new inventory, which we haven't spoken about yet, uh, on the Classic Auto Mall podcast. We'll see you in a minute. The Classic Auto Mall has more than 1,000 vehicles for consignment in our huge 8-acre climate-controlled showroom. It's a real indoor mall. If you'd like to know all the advantages of buying and selling a car through consignment, the information is available on our website, or you can talk to a classic car specialist who can answer all your questions. It's easy, safe, convenient, and it doesn't matter where you are, we sell worldwide. See our huge selection of classic and collectible vehicles at ClassicAutoMall.com. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. 
When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Questions or comments, contact us at podcast at classicautomall.com. We're back with the Classic Automall podcast. Do I say that every time? Yeah, well, the people should know what they're listening to. Well, we would hope so. <laughs> I think that, and if you, if you haven't tuned in anywhere else, uh, other than maybe America's Web Radio or going off of our website, we're mm-hmm. on just about every podcast site. Every one you can imagine. Yeah. You don't even have to list them all because there's no, too I, many. No, it's too many to list. I, but, but trying to do that, yeah. It's all the major ones and yeah. all the minor ones. iHeartRadio is one of the bigger ones. Apple uh, is a big one. Buzzsprout. Uh, but really what we want to do also is <clears throat> Randy is loading these these uh, podcasts on YouTube. So yeah. if you want to watch the YouTube or just have it in, as sound in the background sure. as, you, as you do your work at your desktop, then, then check out the Classic Auto Mall YouTube channel. Yeah, it's really, really popping. It really is popping. And we, we've always de- decided, we decided long ago and we've continued that decision that we want this to be more of a talk show than a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, that you would, uh, more David Letterman, Johnny Carson than, uh, just, you know, just the, the vocal part of it, the visual part of it as well too. And we show pictures of cars right. that we talk about, um, that we've just recently started doing. And that kind of gives, you know, people are so visual anymore. And we start talking about a 65 Ford Mustang Shelby mm-hmm. GT350, uh, GTH tribute. People may not know exactly what we're talking about. You can't assume that anybody knows what the hell it is we're going on in these Pictures frames. are always helpful. And like They're I said, there's, there's a, a thousand cars here that are all have interesting stories. That's why I like Denny's and Waffle House, because they have a picture <laughs> of what you're getting. <laughs> so, uh, I'll take that. And it better look like that. <laughs> it better it be exactly. And they never do. IHOP does with the little the circle <laughs> smiley face. Is that the Rudy Tootie? Yeah, Rudy Tootie Fruity. <laughs> you know, most things don't look like they like you see a hamburger from, although... <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm sorry to digress here, but I was going through Wendy's the other day, and they had this ad that you see right mm-hmm. as you're at the drive-thru yeah. for this triple-decker hamburger with bacon on mm. it. You could smell the grease off a picture. Yeah. It was unbelievable. How, I mean, just think of the amount of calories. In sure. Oh. How many did you order? I did not order. I do not order. I get the junior bacon cheeseburger, which is one little teeny piece of bacon uh-huh. and a little teeny a little hamburger. Taste. It's a little taste. Just to kind of well, they get put it. Vaseline and stuff. There's all kinds of tricks in, in food photography. It's a whole art, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, milk in, in the cereal is actually glue, like Elmer's glue. Oh, is glue. that right? Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> See, I know all kinds of yeah. inane trivia That's stuff. That's an L.A. thing. That's an, yeah. 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 yeah, you would Advertising know Advertising agencies mm-hmm. and hand models and all uh, that. Yeah, stuff. hand models. Don't be careful with my hands. Yeah, they're insured. <laughs> They're insured by Lloyd's of London. Hey, what new uh, inventories come in? Hey, Steve, thanks for that great segue. <laughs> um, how about the Shelby GTH Tribute, mm. black Raven Black over black? Um, it's a fully restored, miles deep Raven Black paint. I mean, <laughs> you could dive into it, it, it looks like. It is. And it's rust-free, uh, 289V8 with a top-loader manual. And it goes like gel, but I think that means it meant to say hell. Goes like gel. <laughs> That's interesting, like yeah. like black jello. Uh, is it a manual? It is a top loader. I don't know. I thought it was. I as I, I I know. Let me let me stutter a little more. Yeah. <laughs> while you while you look it up, because yeah. we had some conversation about GTHs actually did come with an automatic and a manual. In fact, forty percent of them were automatics, which, right. I, which I did not know. I thought they all must have been stick because they're. Super racy and fancy. Well, it's amazing how much information you know about cars these days. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone is a research, everyone is a research project. For those of you who don't know, as I'm trying to Google something and I'm not doing it very well, um, Steve now writes all of our, uh, our, our descriptions for all of our cars. It's a four speed manual, it says, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me tell you one way to know. Photographs. You look at that photograph. We have 85 photographs of that. Yeah, there's the three pedals in that one. Okay, good. 
So I, <sighs> it just brought, but I, that car brought up a conversation. Maybe I was talking to Justin or somebody about, about did GTA just come automatic? And they, they did. Right. And you know what's funny? Shelby Mustangs in the automatic guys uh, used to be that it was very difficult. When I say guys, I don't mean G-U-I-S. I mean G-U-I-S-E. And okay. And its form um, uh, came in automatic, and people used to not care for the automatic when you would try to sell a, an automatic Shelby Mustang of any mm-hmm. year era. Uh, they were hard to sell. Now people like them mm-hmm. because there's a couple things about a manual transmission. If you're in a parade or any kind of slow traffic, mm. your left leg goes to sleep pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, number one. And number two, when you're driving on the highway or down the turnpike or down the interstate, uh, if you only have a four speed manual, you're dying for another gear. Mm-hmm. If you got an automatic, got a little more breathing room to run a little bit faster speeds without sounding like the thing's going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. And, um, this is a, just back to this car. Cause I, I, I mean, it's a beautiful car. It and, really and is. And you could drive this without the worry of having a, a six-figure actual GTA, mm-hmm. and nobody would know the difference. No, they wouldn't. And, of course, the, the it argues the, or begs the question, you know, how do you, if somebody comes up to you at a car show, do you immediately lead with, you know, <laughs> this is a replica or this is a clone or this is a, you know, a tribute or all the different names that we use for, sure. for those? If and I had a placard in front of the car, it would definitely say. You would say that. But do you do you lead with that if that's your car at a car show? Is that the first thing you would tell yeah. somebody they come up and say, hey, man, that's a, well, that's a nice car. <laughs> I, I think it's this one is so well done that I right. would have no problem leading with that information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's part of it. I mean, it's a, it's a tribute, which means it's a, a recognition or an honor mm-hmm. of, of the, the original. That's and right. not everybody can afford an original. It's like one. an Elvis tribute artist. Or a Cobra, you know, uh, 427 Cobra replica. I mean, yep. of course, you know, not many people can afford those at all. That's right. Not many people have seen one in person. That's the interesting mm-hmm. thing about the one we have here is that most people that come in here, even, you know, degenerate car guys like we are say i've never seen one in person right you know so exactly uh that tells you a lot about uh how rare they really are mm-hmm. and, but everybody knows what it is and everybody's seen a version of it out at whatever car show but even my little replica that i have mm-hmm. i pull up anywhere to car guys and they're all over it oh, they're yeah. oogling yeah, it they're the, oogling it is the ultimate that is the ultimate car guy it really car. It is. Really and is. that's why we have this right behind us. yeah it is. <laughs> and if you're listening this is a picture a black and white picture of a cobra or a version of a Cobra, yep. I don't know. Yep. Uh, but anyway, with the knockoff wheels and the Goodyear uh, white wall tires mm-hmm. and the wind wings and the, oh, the little jacks yep. back here. Yep. And, uh, all, jacks. all cool stuff. Yep. So uh, anyway, if you get a chance, check our website out, classicautomall.com. You can see the GT, GTH tribute. Um, also in uh, this week, new inventory, 1957 Triumph TR3 Roadster. Have you seen this thing? It is so cool. Oh, I like Black over red. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 1991 cc inline four which was more power than most of the british cars had at that in that era hmm. uh dual su carbs uh four speed manual leather seating just a really neat looking car the black is very industrial looking for this car but it's really if you get a chance again go to our website and check it out it's very very cool see these were the early racing cars yeah. in america this was the this was the early sports car Movement and Triumphs and MGs and all those cars were were raced when the guys came back from World War II. That's right uh, after they'd been in Europe and they saw MGs and Triumphs and Austin Healys and all these British cars, they all wanted one. That's right. They were all like, "Oh man, we need one of those over here." And the ones that were had the wherewithal, the financial wherewithal to do it, uh, and or the just the gumption to to make it mm-hmm. happen, uh, either imported them over or and I imagine the. United States military probably brought quite a few of them back over on, you know, a little extra room in a big cargo plane. Right, Can right. you throw my MG on there? Yeah. And again, to, to call back the Holbert family, mm-hmm. that's really how he made his bread and butter is servicing right. MGs in the fifties when nobody was servicing. Nobody. Them. Yeah. Nobody knew how to work on them. Volkswagens were the same way. Yeah. Uh, they were just foreign cars, foreign car. Yep. Uh, but this little TR3 is really, really cool. You don't see many of these and it's funny. The door opening on the sill is so low to the ground, you almost feel like your elbow is going to drag you on the ground. You could literally reach out uh, yeah, and touch the ground. Touch the ground. Yeah. It's, it's very cool, though. That's the way yeah. the MGs work to a mm-hmm. point, too, the TGs and TF. And and, and people not... not TG. TD and TF. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, what people don't realize, too, is they say, oh, you got to have a big American V8 to go fast and have fun driving a car. That's absolutely not mm-hmm. true. A little sports car like a little TR3 or an MG or an Austin Healey, even yeah. the Sprite... They're a blast to drive yeah. at, at full at full gate. Um, this Triumph in particular made me want to made me want to look at 
fifties right. era. Yeah, it makes you re-engage with them. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe maybe I could have one. I mean, of I like those. my Z three, but there's something about yeah. very charming about those. They're charming and uh and they're easy to work on too. Mm-hmm. So and they're not expensive uh to work on and they're easy to work on. And at least in this area there's a lot of guys who know these cars really well. Yeah, it's amazing how many shops there are within you know that are specialized in in a type or style mm-hmm. or or a specific mark uh, that do work around here, yeah. and and you find them. And a lot of times, it's just a guy in his garage that's a separate oh, yeah. piece of his house that he um, uh, just gets out there and works on cars. And uh, yeah, and, and very active clubs mm-hmm, in this yeah. area, in this area, and probably the rest of the country too. Triumph clubs, MG clubs, and, and these and, guys know their stuff. And we highly recommend that if you buy a particular car, whether it's a muscle car, whether it's an MG or a Triumph, get involved in the club for sure. And there's so it's a wealth of information. And you think, well, I can get everything I need on the internet. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff. You can't get a true feel for if a guy is the right guy to work on your car or do body work on your car. You That's need right. to talk to people that have had it done. Exactly. First-hand experience mm-hmm. on that, not just some Google review that the guy's pissed off and writes something right. you know harsh about him when it may or may not be true. Um, and, but get involved with the clubs because, so number one, finding parts and things that are difficult to find uh, is the best way to find them. Mm-hmm. And especially a lot of these guys are still old school enough that they don't, you know, they don't do eBay and they don't. Do, that's exactly right. You know, they, they go to the swap meeting. Why do you think Carlisle and Hershey are that's still exactly, so popular? That's exactly right. You know, I mean, it's, I, you would think that people would say, you know what? I don't want to buy a bumper and drag it all through the field to get to my car. Right. But people still do. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not going to say I'm the youngest one at Carlisle at the, at the swap <laughs> meets, but it's an older crowd and these yeah. are, these are old school guys, yeah. man. And they know way more than we could ever learn. Yeah. It's funny. If you don't know what a part goes to, you just put it on your table at Carlisle and somebody will come up and tell you what it's <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah. For sure. Like, well, that's a, that's a starter for a 57 Triumph. That's amazing. You know, uh, the, the breadth of knowledge out there mm-hmm. that isn't found on the internet. I mean, those are things that you can't always necessarily. Just because it's out there on the internet doesn't mean that you can find it. Googling is an art in of itself. It's tough. And really some of the best places are the forums where people are sure. talking about it and, and recommend somebody, you know, through reputation. Yeah, you ought to check with him if yeah, you want to yeah. know so about it. So it's the something. conversations more than the sort of general information sheet. And the way you Google things it, it determines the sure. way the response is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can have people say, well, I Googled it and I couldn't find it. And I Google it and I find it right away. And I say, well, what did you put in? And mm-hmm. it was something. Right. It was something that didn't dovetail into <laughs> finding the right information that you want. That is, so that is right. Yeah. So it, Googling is an art. Maybe we could te- we could teach that. We could have a, <laughs> a Google class. <laughs> anyway, sixty-one Chevrolet Corvette convertible Roadster, tuxedo black and silver mm-hmm. over uh, red. This has got some interesting uh, rock star provenance. Oh, it does. Yeah, Joey Kramer of Aerosmith owned okay. this car. The drummer for Aerosmith. Okay, uh, that's owned cool. This car. Apparently, there is some um, serious uh, documentation of this. Okay, or good. Whatever, names, a little provenance, a little provenance. Uh, near flawless restoration. Uh, NCRS and Bloomington Gold winner. Uh, numbers matching two eighty three two seventy horse V eight. Um, just very correct example. It's really nice. an amazing car. It ain't cheap. Right. right. But, you know. If you want a good rest, rest, want, yeah. restoration. And, you know, of course, the interesting thing about the 61 and 62 Corvettes is that you would get a preview of the tail of the 63s, mm-hmm. the Stingrays. Mm-hmm. And they, they, that tail was different and um, got, them, got them going in that direction. Right. So you're almost seeing a preview. Mm-hmm. Of course, you didn't know it, know it at the time. And, of course, when the 63s came out, People thought spaceships had landed on them. I mean, it was they were really revolutionary yeah. uh, to people when when they first came out. They were it was pretty interesting, and of course, you know what the Stingray was pinned by Pete Brock, okay, who did the cover Daytona. Wow. So and he worked for Bill Mitchell, who had a contest over you know the design of the coupe. And, wow. And Pete Brock won. I guess I don't know if that's the correct word, but uh, you know they. They built it with lightness in mind and an independent rear end, and beyond that, they could do anything they wanted. So uh, when we return, uh, we'll finish up our new inventory and talk about a couple other things. I've got a bone to pick. Not with you, oh, just good. in general. So <laughs> When we return to the Classic Automall Podcast, we'll see you in a minute. Attention veterans, America's Web Radio has a contest just for you. We are giving away an AR-15-style weapon to a lucky veteran. If you are a veteran or active duty, you can enter for a chance to win by submitting an entry form at americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. That's americaswebradio.com slash giveaway. Please read the official rules for more information. 
Good luck, and thank you for listening. If you love classic cars, you're gonna wanna listen to the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Come visit us at Classic Auto Mall. See our website for hours and location. We're talking about our new show we're going to do from here. A music show, <laughs> Stewart's Toy Box or something. Stewart's Music Emporium. Or something like that. We'll have to come up with some catchy name for it. We want to do a program. We, we use the studio 52 hours a year, basically. That's right. And there's how many hours in a year? Fifty-two and a half if technical stuff <laughs> breaks. How many hours are there in a, in a year? In a year, how many hours? Ten eighty in, in a week. Yeah. So, so what is that? Three hundred. Three hundred. And we use it for fifty-five hours. So right. We're gonna figure out a way to use it more and do a yeah. cool music show. Something from my my background of the seventies and eighties stuff that I and sixties stuff that I've listened and to. And then croutons. We're gonna do food. We're gonna do and a food then a food one. show as well too, and talk about croutons. Anyway. Some of the other new inventory in, uh, you were just asking about the ones sitting across the hallway, mm. which we're not featuring this week, nope, but we'll nope. feature coming up a 1916 coal touring. They made 40,000 of those and there's like 79 Left. accounted for, mm-hmm. which is unusual because, you know, there's a lot of Fords and Chevys. Of course, they made millions and millions and millions, but I mean, there's cars that they made less of that there's way more than 79 still, uh, around and about. So, Interesting. uh, anyway, one of the other new, uh, pieces of inventory in 1949 Chrysler New Yorker Highlander convertible. The Highlander, I guess, was the top of the line. It's yellow over oxblood with that cool plaid Highlander interior. Mm-hmm. It's really a cool looking car. Fluid drive semi automatic. Which means it doesn't have a clutch in the true sense of the word. Hmm. It's kind of a hybrid between an automatic and a manual. Okay. You have to shift it, but you don't have to use a clutch right. except for when you're stopped. And I don't know. I don't quite understand. It's the L head inline six, 323 cubic inches. Um, it was the top of the line. They only 1137 of these built. So that's, wow. that's not a lot. And especially 1949. I mean, that's 5175 years ago. Hmm. You know, how many survived? Gosh. Right. Hard to say. I mean, like that coal. I mean, how many, you know, and, and people say, but these cars are babied and they're taken mm-hmm. care of and they're garaged and, but there's attrition. There's hurricanes and there's floods and there's tornadoes and there's fire and there's all, and there's accidents. Uh, not very often. I mean, you, you look at some of the insurance companies that insure specifically classic cars and they'll tell you it's a pretty lucrative business because people, you know, these cars don't get parked on the street. Right. They're not baby. They're they're babied like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they're it's a different animal than your beater daily driver. Yeah, right, exactly. But but a lot of these cars were daily drivers back in the day, and that's sure. the thing. That's why there's so few cars of some makes models and makes. Like mm-hmm. I did, I wrote up the GTX yesterday, uh, 67 GTX, yeah. yeah, first year GTX, and. And they had, they were just everyday cars. Yeah, I mean, back in the <laughs> Nobody day. Nobody thought it was like going to be a special muscle car. <laughs> right. And now it's a legend, and who knows how many are left. Well, you can remember that the uh, Mopar stuff in the 60s didn't drive that great. You know, they were <laughs> right. they were loose feeling. Yeah, they were sure. They were different. They didn't feel uh, – I always thought that the General Motors cars in the 60s and 70s had a much more solid feel to them than mm-hmm. the Mopar products. Uh, and, and I, oh podcast at classicautomile.com. His name's Stuart. And you can, <laughs> you can give me all kinds of grief. That's right. Um, but they, I don't know, the Pontiacs and the wide track, mm-hmm. uh, that they did back in the sixties, they all just felt like they were more solid cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, the Mopar sales, when, when you used to see Hemi Superbirds in the mid seventies selling for $3,500 on a car lot, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you right. think, my God, you could have bought every one of them yeah. and you should have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, but an interesting, uh, Chrysler, no, nonetheless. Uh, also the 1959 Oldsmobile Dynamic 88 Fiesta station wagon. Mm. That is the coolest thing ever. There cannot be this many, there met, met that no. many left in the, in the country. Light blue and Polaris white over blue and white. There's one of 11,000 built, but mm-hmm. I guarantee you there ain't 11,000 right. left. Nope. Probably not a thousand. They were used and rusted and Mm -hmm. left out in the rain and everything. Uh, this one's got known history from new, Mm. uh, 371 cubic inch V8 and the Jetaway automatic. Mm. Uh, certainly the family truckster cruiser. Yeah. You know, no question about it. And, uh, really, I was going to say dynamic looking vehicle, but that's the name is a dynamic 88. So maybe that's 
uh, you know, par for the course. It's got just so many curves and lines and, and gaps. It's just a very cool car. And stay tuned for TikTok because I want to do a video on it. Oh, too. cool. Yeah. Check out our TikTok. It's quite oh, popular. We do well on that in our Instagram account. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, as we talked about. Right. All the, the podcast sites, Spotify and mm-hmm. iTunes and iHeartRadio and, right. and all of that. Uh, and including America's Web Radio, which is the first place you can hear it every Saturday at 10 a.m. So that's where we, the new releases come out for right. the first that's time. Right. Uh, and then, uh, then they go the following Monday on all the sites. Exactly. And so you can, uh, you can get a, uh, sneak preview, if you will. Exactly. Uh, uh, on the America's Web Radio. And, and listen as many times as you want. Absolutely. And last but not least, the 1965 Pontiac Le Mans convertible. Boy, this thing is spectacular. Blue charcoal over blue. Mm. Uh, it's got, uh, a tri-power induction, uh, 421, 1966 421 cubic inch V8 in it. The Muncie M20. This thing's a beast. And it's gorgeous. It yeah. looks, you know, it's the same body as the GTO. It's the, basically a GTO, a wolf in sheep's clothing or mm-hmm. something we like to say. Um, and it's got the, uh, the Hearst edition. It's, it looks like the Hearst edition Le Mans. Um, it's got, uh, uh, Hearst wheels and, uh, that would really just sets it off. And then the tri-power and the 421 and then the paint job on this thing mm-hmm. is amazing. Really beautiful. It is. Yeah. And the color is elegant, I guess would be the mm-hmm. best word you could use mm-hmm. to describe that color. It's just a very striking, beautiful car with a contrasting top. Uh, just, and it's a power top too as well, which is, you know, <laughs> comes in handy sometimes. Wow. Those manual tops can be a little tricky sometimes. It's a beautiful car. Yeah, really is. So if you haven't seen all of these cars or you haven't been to our place, go check them out on our website, classicautomall.com, and click on inventory. You can search by year, make, model, and we also have a reset button. So if you start searching and get too far down a rabbit hole, you hit the reset button and you can start over. Oh, that's good. Yeah, (laughs) because that happens to a lot of us sometimes. You start going a little bit too deep. Right. And then we're like, where are we now? This is not. You don't, you don't have to backspace every time you want to search something new. So the reset yeah. button's a great feature. Yeah. Some of the, some of the sites are, are cumbersome. And I'm not saying ours is perfect. We, we're about due for a remake of our site. Mm-hmm. We've had it for basically the same site for about six years. Well, since we started. Right. And it's, and it's time for a redo. We've, mm-hmm. we've cobbled together and added things on and done things. And it's probably now time to, to take a look at a little bit of a cosmetic restoration sure. of our website, if you will. Yep. And, um, you know, we, we, the nice thing that we do is we have, you know, almost a hundred pictures of every vehicle. We're now starting to add videos to our, our website right. and to all of our other sites. So we're, we're coming of age. That's right. Uh, we're, we're having a footprint, a bigger footprint. A bigger footprint. So, uh, yeah. So if you get a chance, like I said, check out our site. And if you have any questions or comments, podcast at classicautomall.com. I'm thick skinned. I can take it. If you do it. have something that you don't like or didn't like what I said, I'm, I'm, a lot of this is just, I'm making it up as it happens. Or if you've got a car story and, and you want to send us pictures of your cars, I think that'd be cool too. Maybe Absolutely. We'll, maybe we'll talk about them next week. Yeah. Podcast, classicautomall.com. Yep. So we were talking a couple of weeks ago and about where the term hot rod came That's from. That's right. You know, we use that so often in this business, especially with us because we deal with so many cars that are, that are custom built. Mm-hmm. Uh, customs is another word that you would use, hot rod. Um, but you know, they thought, that maybe it started when people would say we're hotting up a car. Hmm. So that means we're making it hotter right. or faster or more powerful or more, you know, handling wasn't a really an issue with hot rods. No, back in the day. It was, it was all about straight line performance. <clears throat> and of course, roadster, you know, that's, that's part of it as well too. So there's a lot of different uh, theories on where it came from, but nobody really truly knows. That's right. Um, uh, uh, the, the general term is a car modified to increase its speed and acceleration. Uh, but there was also jalopy or souped up, uh, buggy, tin lizzy, um, gow jobs, G-O-W jobs, huh. which is, I'd never heard of that. Uh, they said that may have been the origin for high rod. But, huh. <clears throat> but uh, in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, an automobile rebuilder modified for high speed and fast acceleration, sometime being used probably in 1943. How about so. that? So anyway, very that's, cool. And I souped up is there is an origin to souped up to it. It's something about the horses or something. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, then we talk about that. Yeah, I yeah. But so, anyway, interesting stuff. Yeah, we um uh last weekend uh this being uh whatever the date this is February the seventh. Yep. Uh, last weekend was the uh Grand National Roadster Show in Pomona. Oh, okay. Uh, America's most beautiful roadster was awarded to a friend of ours. Okay. Beth Myers. Oh, Beth Three Myers. Three Dog Garage. No out kidding. Out of Boyertown, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a Roy Brizio um, 
built. Huh. Uh, it, it was it was eight roadsters were in the competition for the for the win, and hers won best in show. I don't know. It's not called best. In, just called America's most beautiful roadster. How about that? <clears throat> is what it's called. It's a 1934, uh, no, 32 Ford two door Phaeton, and Beth Myers is the. Uh, wife of Ross Myers, who owns Three Dog Garage in Boyertown, PA, and he has an amazing collection. Mm-hmm. It's private, you don't, it's not open to the public. I think you can see it if you have a group or That's whatever, right. mm-hmm. uh, uh, a club or a, or a group of guys that wanted to go see yep. it. But, uh, but they have, and they won the Riddler as well, too, and they have that car in there on display. You can, and actually it's on the second floor, and there's a, mm-hmm. a glass, uh, cutout that you can look up underneath the car and oh, see wow. how nicely it's done. That's and, very cool. Yeah. So to win the Riddler, and America's Most Beautiful Roadster is, that's pretty much as high as it gets in that the puts hot Boyer rod town on the map. Well, <laughs> next to the museum. Yeah. And it's a two-door Phaeton. And a Phaeton is basically what they call, it's a, it's basically a convertible top with no roll-up windows, right, no right. attached windows. It that's would have, right. it would have a snap-in windows or mm-hmm. not at all. Or not, that's right. Yeah. And of course, then it was bested by the convertible, which said, wait a minute, we need some real windows in yeah, these yeah. things and it needs to be sealed up a little bit better and we're going to ruin all these cars. But, Phaeton is it you know no winding or sliding windows in the doors of the bodies mm-hmm. and then there's a dual cowl Phaeton mm-hmm. which basically dual cowl means two windshields so, right. or two compartments if you will um, <clears throat> and we have a, quite a few of Phaetons you know they're Ford made Phaetons uh, Lincoln uh, um, Packard I mean there was we have some in, in inventory yeah actually. we have quite a few yeah. in inventory and uh, but the the America's most beautiful roadster is really a you know been won by Everybody that you could imagine uh, over the years, Boyd Coddington and mm-hmm. uh, Roy Brizio, Troy Trepanier, George Barris, John Batera, uh, Chip Foose. Um, you know, it's it's. The, I can't imagine what you have to spend in order to win America's Most Beautiful Road. No different than going to Pebble Beach and winning sure. Best in Show. Sure. I mean, it. you know, it's it's a big check you write for something like that. When you that. said there's a, there's a roadster show <laughs> in it, first of all, it's like it was 32 degrees last week. So to think like you're thinking <laughs> car show and roadsters yeah, and hot right, rods, it's right. like, yeah, but California. California, yeah. Pomona. Of course, it was probably, you know, it's been, they've had it's some crappy and, weather. And rain. rain. It's crazy. <laughs> had a little bit of rain out there, but, uh, but it's one, it's really, you know, it's interesting the, the, the theme that people do when they, um, you know, when they do these cars and, and the special touches they put on them and all that stuff. This thing's got a Roush 427 with a 500 horsepower. Uh, uh, on a Tremec five speed and a winner's V8 quick change rear end. I mean, this wow. thing is done a Brookville steel body mm-hmm. flames on it. Mm-hmm. It's got the convertible top. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, it's unique in, in its presentation, which is interesting because, you know, they, uh, basically the 32 Ford roadsters are basically what this award was built around. I and see. of course now I think it can be anything. 1937 and older. I can't remember if that was right or not. I'm going to have to look at my notes, but I can't remember that. Now, mm-hmm. see how stupid am I? If I wouldn't, if I would write everything down like I did, then, you know, you would. Open to 37 and earlier. 37 and earlier. Yep. Thanks for seeing got that, that for yep. me. <laughs> so. Roadsters, roadster pickups, Phaetons, touring cars as and well. And touring cars. So anything 37 or older, uh, that fits into that, you know, convertible, uh, if you will. Uh, then, then that fits in the category. And then they have another award, um, <clears throat> which is, um, uh, the Al Sloniker Award, which is the guy who, who founded uh, the Grand National Roadster Show. And this is everything but a, a 37 or mm-hmm. earlier Ford. And mm-hmm. it was won by a, a 59 Impala, which is just over the top. I mean, it's just the craziest thing you've ever seen. So anyway, congratulations to the Myers. And, uh, um, next week we'll get to talk about my, my pet peeve in oh, okay. drive throughs Oh, good. So, drive through what? Wendy's? Any, any, any drive through. I'm not picking Wendy's. I'm not picking on any particular, uh, uh, maker that model. Sounds like a good topic. It's an excellent topic. I've got a lot of pet peeves out there. <laughs> I bet you, I bet you I've trumped all of them with what I've got. Anyway, thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week on the classic, on the classic auto mall podcast. We'll see you then. You 
You've been listening to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast with your host, Stuart Howden, executive producer, Steve Safair, produced and engineered by yours truly, J.R. Russ. Thanks for listening and sharing the Classic Auto Mall Podcast, available on ClassicAutoMall.com, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questions, answers, or comments? Write us at podcast at ClassicAutoMall.com. And if you want to talk about buying a classic car seen on our website, you're looking for a particular vehicle, or want to consign your classic for sale, write us at info at ClassicAutoMall.com, or call and talk to a real live classic car specialist at 888-227-0914. That's 888-227-0914. Music courtesy of the Pat Travers Band. For tour dates, contact, and stuff, visit PatTravers.com. The Classic Auto Mall Podcast is produced by Car Smarts Media, copyright 2023, all rights reserved. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.